This is BPN Radio, your 24-hour Internet prayer station with Dale Gentry and friends. Calling America to pray. A member of the Breakout Prayer Network. Let's pray, America. It's time now for the Warriors Watch with Pastor Callie Hargraves here on BPN Radio. Second Chronicles 23.6 says, And all the people shall keep the watch of the Lord. Now, here's your host for the Warriors Watch, my friend, Callie Hargraves. Good afternoon, good afternoon. This is Pastor Callie. Uh, we are here Facebook uh, on Facebook Live and BPN, and actually taping for BPN Radio at the same time. And I am so happy today to have Carrie Robertson here as my guest. Uh, it's her first time to ever be my guest, and she's just an amazing young woman doing a lot for Jesus, doing a lot in a lot of different arenas. Um, not only loves the Lord with all of her heart, but just an amazing entrepreneur, Christian, uh, a voice for Jesus. And she's traveling and preaching and teaching. She's got a new book out called Your Words Create Your World. And I want you to see that. I hope you can see that clear. It's called Your Words Create Your World. And um, when I was reading this, Carrie, I literally felt like I was reading your life story. Um You've got amazing principles about how to speak and and how to carry on our life, but I felt it was very heartwarming and it made me really, it really infused hope in my heart that God can take us from anywhere in our life, no matter where we start in life. And he has a beautiful plan and dream. And if we'll just work with the Holy Spirit, we'll see all those come to pass. So would you kind of open up and talk to me about your story. Tell us a little bit about your story prior to having this revelation and prior to uh, being where you are today. Absolutely. Well, and you know, here's the thing is I get asked a lot. They, people say, Hey, does anything bad ever happen in your world? (laughs) Because I feel like most of life is how we respond to what happens. right? Right. And so reality is, is of course, lots of things have happened, but I'll always look back on those things and, and really see where God was, it was defining moments. And so you can take and be healed and move forward and help others with it, or you can hold on to it and stay, you know, trapped, honestly, a lot of times. And so the book does begin chapter one is my life story, because I wanted people to know I've been through trials and tribulations and heartaches and and the loss of loved ones and different things. But at the same time, I could see the God moments in every single one of them. And so, and not always in that moment, right? Like it's tough sure. when you're walking through it, but joy comes in the morning. And so just knowing that, uh, you know, life can be what you make of it. And uh, I feel like everyone should write their life story. Fun fact is I'm actually leading a group with this book right now. And I've asked them to write their life story. Awesome. And they're writing their own chapter one. And I have seen, I've witnessed firsthand healing of relationships with parents after 40 years. So I know it's a powerful thing. So yeah, that's where the book starts is with just understanding. I've been through some stuff. You know what, Carrie, I want to tell you, I started last year writing mine and my sister's story, which is a pretty amazing story as well. You know, just a story that you think, how do, how could anybody recover from some of this mess. And of course we know that it's not our flesh and blood. It's power of the Holy spirit working in us. And then us following, we have a part to play. 
because we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and we follow, you know, leaders and people that God puts in our life to help us along the way. But as I was writing these things down, um, I would, there would be times I'd write a piece of it and I would put it down, Carrie, and bawl my eyes out. It was like, oh, oh, now I see how you were there all along walking me through, you know, what was a travesty in real and realistically it was a travesty. Mine and my sister's life prior to my mother and daddy sobering up was just a horror story on literally, it was like, it would have made one of these reality shows look like a nursery rhyme. But, um, but as I would write it, it was so cathartic. Uh, God began to just heal parts of my life. So I'm sure as you were writing the story, even the writing of it brought healing and clarity like none other. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about, I love the chapter called dream big. Your dreams really do know the way that was a really good. Um, and it's, and let me just say this, the book is, is not long. So you can read this book in, in just a, a few hours if you'll just sit down and read it. But it's, I loved this chapter and I loved what you had to say. Let's talk about how your dreams really know the way. Let's talk about how you came to that understanding. Well, <clears throat> truth is, is I did have great dreams as a kid. And then, of course, when they started becoming reality, they were terrifying. And I think too many people give up on their dreams because they're just outside of your comfort zone, right? Right, <laughs> so, right. You have to start to begin to develop courage and, you know, just know that it's not about fear. It's about faith. It's just not knowing how it's all going to turn out, but trusting that it will, because I feel like too many people have put their dreams completely on hold, right? That they look at their life today and it's nothing what they dreamed it was going to be. And down inside, those dreams are still there. They're just not convenient. They're not comfortable. And so I tell people all the time, I mean, if it scares you, it's, probably because you're supposed to be doing it. (laughs) So it's true. Yeah. And for me, my biggest dream all of growing up, and I talk about it in the book is I saw myself speaking in front of thousands of people. And I never could quite understand that because the very first time I ever stood up to speak, there were four people in the room, eight eyeballs, which turned into absolute tragedy on my end. I ran out of the room crying. And at that moment, I really thought, was that just a crazy dream? But because I had shared my crazy dream with someone who believed in me, they encouraged me one more time. Right. And then one more time. And so we need people who will believe in our dreams. And, and I'll talk also about protecting your dreams because, you know, we didn't really have a past record of success to believe. And so I took some criticism from people who, you know, people love to give you their opinions. Right. Sure. And so, you know, I had people tell me that it was foolish, it was stupid, that, you know, whatever, whatever. But at the same time, I just had to go, you know what, this is my dream. I own it. I possess it. I'm the one that's got, that has to give it birth, not you. And so um, that can be hard though, when people that, especially if they're the people that you love and and want to believe in you. We have to remember that Jesus could do no miracles in his own town. And when you think about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, was not able to release his gift because of the law of familiarity and because people did not see the king in him. They didn't see the king of the universe. They saw a carpenter, carpenter's son. So you're right. Sometimes you have to re-surround yourself with people that see the king and queen in you and, and believe God for the dream that God has deposited in your heart. And um, one of the things that when I woke up this morning, Carrie, I, 
I uh, had two things on my heart. And one of the first things that the Lord uh, really encouraged me with is he said, um, I'm a God of signs and wonders. Watch for the signs. Watch for the signs. And um, you go to, let me read this to you. You go to Isaiah 7 and 11, and it says, "Ask ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depths are in the height above. In other words, wherever you are in life, God is always giving you signs that will co- uh, that will co- uh, collaborate or will encourage the dreams that God has birthed in your heart. And if you just have to be open to hearing those signs and and following that direction. And like you said, sometimes because we're fearful or we've believed the lie of the enemy, or we believe the lie of even our mother and dad, we don't always step in to the place where we can grow and receive that promise. Um, what helped you? Talk to me about the first time you, how you begin to a- uh, actually walk out your dreams. What did you do? Tell me, give me something practical as well as spiritual. Well, of course, when it came to speaking, um, after I ran out of the room crying and then it was the next week, okay, Hey, tonight you'll speak. And I was like, no, epic fail. We're not doing that again. Right. Cause <laughs> that's embarrassment. It's all those things. But to have that, I, I refer to it in there as somebody to push you out of the nest, just like the mother Eagle knows the baby flies or dies. Right. Sure. And so, um, that just continuing to do it and do it afraid and do it enough times because I believed that that was in my heart. I believed that I was supposed to speak and be able to change people's worlds. But at the same time, that fear was definitely real. And so I got asked one day, like, at what point did did it become normal and natural? And I kind of laughed because I had just finished Malcolm Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers. And I laughed and I said about 10,000 times, right? Like when you do something repetitively, 10 years, 10,000 times, then it becomes where you can master something. And I'm, I'm not saying I've mastered it by any moment, but I used to have to buy my clothes, Callie, to be honest, depending upon what my armpits would look like. Because if I was going to speak, I was going to sweat and it was yeah. not going to be pretty. But I was going to continue to do it over and over and over again. And then, you know, I'm a big, big, big believer in vision boards. I, I mean, anybody who knows me knows I love to make you really sit down and think about things you want. Because I think about when we were kids and we'd get that Sears and Roebuck mag- uh, catalog and it was this thick yes. and we circled everything and we marked every page and we had like the whole store was coming to, ha- to the house, right? And it didn't matter if we knew we were getting one thing. We didn't have a problem fulfilling what we wanted. And it could be 200 things that we marked in there. And then as people get older, they forgot what they wanted in life. They forgot the car that they wanted to drive, the house they wanted to live in. And those are all, those are all material. And I tell people, when you start to really get beyond the material things, you're going to get to the things you really wanted to do in life, whether that be a ministry of some sort, a nonprofit, you know, whatever your calling is in life. A lot of times, if you can just start visualizing and I have my brand new dream board on the wall right here. I look at it every day in my office because it is drawing me. It's pulling me to get out, to do the uncomfortable, to be able to fulfill things, but it's not material things at this point in life, right? It's the things that I want to do, the lives I want to impact and change. So there's so much more to it, but I, I believe that it starts with identifying 
at least 10 or 15 things from the vacation you want to the car you want to drive, all those things. And then you begin to really tap into the, what am I here for? I've, I've really, um, you know, I'm 57 and there's a lot of things that, that, you know, I still want to, that I still dream about. Okay. That I still am believing God for, but I think the closer, the more mature we get, the more things we do accomplish in life and just really being close to the Lord you and success is from God, no doubt. Success, God wants us successful. He wants us blessed. There's no, that's not even a debate. But I want to move past success to a higher level called significance, and and that's where we have to trust God for those things, and we have to be willing to step out of the boat and allow and 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 let Jesus bid us come on water that we would normally sink on. You know. Uh, I I like the chapter called commitment. Remember why you started. Now this is where the rubber meets the road is the commitment. A lot of times it's easy to dream. It's easy to, you know, say I've got a goal, but if you don't write a plan and and have the commitment to walk out that plan, it'll it'll just be some sort of dream that's never accomplished. Talk to me a little bit about how God, God and your uh, willingness to listen helped you to develop commitment. Well, that's probably one of my favorite chapters because I think that our society has absolutely cheapened the word. You know, I hear starter marriages. I, I mean, I hear things that just in my, in my absolute spirit are like worse than nails on a chalkboard. right? And so whenever you look just as our society as a whole, the divorce rate and the foreclosure and all these things, I think that goes really all goes back to commitment. It's just not there. And so you know, we led the marriage ministry for 10 years at our church and I would watch people fight over such petty things. And the, the truth is, is I, and I talk about this too, is the fact that the, you know, the dirty clothes were always on the floor anyway, girlfriend, you just yeah. overlooked it in the honeymoon phase. Right, 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 right. right. So now it's the source of irritation, but it was always there. It's just, it was shiny and new, right? So we did it because we were so in love and And so I always tell people, like, go back to the beginning, how you felt that commitment, because marriage is never going to be easy, right? That, I mean, it's the truth. It's a full-time process. You've always got to work at it. And so that's definitely a big topic that we love to talk about is just knowing that your commitment is your commitment. And, you know, and unless there's reason for or all those things like you can probably work through 98% of the things that you're quarreling about. Well, you know, that's in marriage, that's in life, that's in business, that's on your job. You know, I I see a lot of young people, they jump from job to job to job because, you know, they don't like the boss here or I didn't get the fair break here. Well, you know, life is not always full of a perfect um, scenarios being served up to me on, on silver. Uh, right. most of it is going to be served up on a picnic plate and half of it's fallen off before it gets there. And you've got to figure out a way to make, pick up the barbecue off the floor, wash it off, throw it on a regular plate and eat it and, and enjoy it. And it's yeah. like you said, it's how we respond to our life and how we allow that to either propel us or stop us, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think it goes back to whenever I think about, you know, Romans 12, renew your mind daily. So, you know, here we've been in business for 20 years and I can tell you, I'm just as excited today about my business as I was then. That's a decision. That's a renewing of my mind daily because after 20 years, anything can get boring, right? Or people can go, oh yeah, I'm excited. 
And so that's the other thing too, and that, that I talk about in that chapter is a lot of people will start something and six weeks or six months later, they're done. The new has wore off. Mm-hmm. They forgot the reason why they began to begin with. And so now there's something over here that's grabbing their attention. And so it's easily. And so commitment is a really big, because I feel like commitment goes into every area of your life. Every area. It does. It does. I mean, it doesn't matter anything that we want to do better or anything that we want to maintain is going to take commitment. Right. Either way. And I I can look at my own life and the things that are flourishing are what I'm committed to. And the things I'm struggling with are the things I'm not committed to. And it's just as simple as that. It's, you can't, you can come up with all kinds of reasons why, but it's really that simple. I, I, I was talking to a young family and we were talking about and this is good for mothers that are listening today you know you're you're developing your kids um the bible says train up a child in the way it should go when it's old it won't depart from for it well if you go and you look that up and you understand really what they were saying they were saying whatever way that child is bent whatever their talents are train them in that direction and when they're old, they'll be happy and fulfilled. They weren't even talking about that they would necessarily live for Jesus or live for God. They never questioned that their kids would be anything but Jews. They knew they trained them so well that they were not going to stray from the faith. They were talking about how to have a successful life here on earth. And um, a lot of times, young, young parents, you know, they want, to, they want to grow their kids and they want to help their kids. But I think it's very important not to put... Um, Growing them into a successful life without growing them into a successful relationship with Jesus first and foremost, because that's the foundation. And so I love when you start talking about commitment, because we have to be as parents and grandparents, we have to be committed to our family's spiritual growth. It's the foundation for which everything is built. Right. Okay, I like number six, and it can be controversial, but I like it. It says, be wealthy, it's healthy. So talk to me about that. <laughs> well, it's not controversial because I, I can't find anywhere that I'm supposed to be poor. <laughs> no, that's exactly way. right. But there are people that believe that lie. And oh, so I know. There are people that believe that lie. So, so tell me how God gave you that revelation. Um, well, so the revelation came to me in several parts, but one of them was whenever, um, I don't know which chapter it is exactly, but I talk about how, you know, I was absolutely fired up to be the next Joyce Meyer of the world because I knew that I I knew what I knew what I knew and I studied day and night. And then God clearly said, that's not what I called you to. I have called you to the marketplace. And then right after that, my pastor called me in and said, Hey, I would love to get this book in your hands. My friend wrote a book. And the minute I started reading it, I thought of you. And that book is Kings and Queens in the Marketplace from laity to royalty. And so all of a sudden I was like, huh. So I start reading this book and I I realized, okay, I am in the marketplace to build the kingdom. And the kingdom takes money to build, right? Yes. Yes, it does. So you can't, you can do a lot of great things with your time, but whenever you have time and resources, it's a game changer. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, we talk in there just about the, the work we've been able to do because of having more than enough, you know, in the kingdom as well as our house of hope. There's just so many things that you can do. And whenever you have more than enough, you can take care of 
other things. And so I, uh, I challenge, I've been told more than once, you know, that not everybody's supposed to be wealthy and I've never had anybody be able to show me the scripture that says that we're all supposed to be poor though. So I'm just waiting. No, for- I don't, I don't, I don't think we're all, we're all supposed to be poor either. I don't think we're supposed to be even a semblance of poor. Now there are people that live in other countries and, you know, they may not have the economic system, but they can still be wealthy in their own setting and right. they can it's still be for everybody. Yeah. And they can still be blessed in their own setting. I don't think God wants us to be poor either. The, I know he doesn't want us to be poor because that was one of the curses that he died for on Calvary. He died for us to, for everything to be restored back to the garden state. And in the garden state, we had everything. And we were wealthy. You know, we were wealthy. We, we didn't want for anything. We didn't want for clothes. We didn't want for happiness. We didn't want for food. We were protected. Uh, the Lord came every day and visited uh, Adam and Eve in the garden. Every, that was, it was utopia. So Jesus died so that we could have it all restored back. And it's a matter of us just believing and receiving. And um, I want to ask you, did you come from a wealthy family? No. No. What about your husband? But no, but I will say this. I never knew we were poor or, or um, less than middle class if we were, right? <laughs> because, okay. and that's why I said, you know, wealth is not necessarily that you have a million dollars in the bank. Well, there's a lot, I think there's a lot of different definitions of wealth in a person's sure. life. Sure. And, you know, I grew up with two parents that absolutely loved the Lord, that took us to church, that showed us the way, and they provided not just for their own, but for everyone. Right. When my father died at the age, I was 12 years old when my father passed away and people came and literally paid my mother back because my parents owned several businesses in town. And one of them was a convenience store that had a deli meat section where they sliced fresh deli meat. And people would come and say, here, and give her hundreds of dollars and said, you know, for years, your husband fed our family. Wow. Now, we were never abundantly wealthy growing up, but there was always more okay. than yes. for us and for others. There was an ice storm when I was little, and I remember people people saying, you know, there's no hotels left, there's no that, and my father going out on the interstate and bringing them, and my mom putting on a pot of beans and, you know, different things, and we had 30-some-odd strangers in our home. Like, that. those are the kind of conditions I grew up in, and so they always had enough to take care of others, and they modeled that. And they were just great stewards of it. And so, like I said, it wasn't that there was a million dollars in the bank, but they were wealthy. Yeah, sure. They were wealthy with principle, integrity, and you had plenty. So it wasn't hard for you to believe that God wanted more for even you. That's so beautiful. Uh, chapter seven, which is my one, one of my favorites, or actually my favorite, the power of your words, they create your world. And, I, and we know that this is really... Uh, this is center to everything in our life. Talk to me about this. Well, I don't, you know, I always sit back and I think God created the world with his words, right? Like we're here because he spoke it into existence. And I think too many times we don't really realize the power and the weight of what our world words have. Um, and so I meet people who are sick all the time. And all I have to do is listen to them for about five minutes. And I know why they're sick. That's all they talk about, right? right? I meet people who are broke and that's all they talk about. So it's just that constant thing of, you know, that what they're coming out of their mouth is the reality of what they're living in. And so words carry so much weight. 
you know, there's, there's no doubt. I mean, once you say something and once you give it life, you can't take it back. Words hurt, you know, words can either bring a person down or take a person up. And so I just, I want people to be very mindful of the words they speak down to the simplicity of it. And I share the, in the book, a little story about a lady who was coming to my house and her words, I literally said, you have two left turns, right? Like you're going to turn left into my subdivision, left on my street on the second house on the right. She goes, I could get lost a block over So when she called me back and said, where am I at your front door? I walked to my front door. I looked one block over and I waved at her and I said, nope, you're one block over. You have two left turns into my neighborhood, turn left on the fourth street on the second house on the right. So what, but her words canceled mine with, well, I could get lost one block over. Those words have power. It's very powerful. And so I just sat there and I thought, oh, so when she came to my house, I said, I want to talk to you about the words you spoke. And I said, do you realize where you were? And then I mean, that brought revelation upon her for everything in her life, not just being lost. And so, and because I know that because she has come back to my house several different times and has shared with me different experiences since I wrote the book. <laughs> and I think just about like the simple things in life that people speak Oftentimes I tell parents, be very, very, very careful. The words you speak over yourself for one, because when you have small children and you are the hero in their world and you are constantly speaking ugly things in front of the mirror to your spout, whatever, they're attaching themselves to those words. Sure they are. Little girls attach themselves to mom's perception of mom. And, and then of course I even talk a little bit in the book about, you know, whenever there's, um, animosity or a divorce and words are spoken over the significant other well then you know kids cling to that so sure because they see part of themselves they're they are part of mom and dad genetically yes. my sister uh pastor cindy and i were talking this morning she was watching uh a sermon by bill johnson on on honor and he was talking and and this really does tie into what we say you know god has called us to not only honor others with our words to honor ourselves when we speak life we honor everything that we speak life over and when we speak death we dishonor and many times the greatest recipients of our words of death are ourselves or our family or someone you're frustrated with and one of the things that um that Bill Johnson said, and I thought it was so powerful. He said, I want to be known as the man that spoke life over Samson until his hair grew back. And when you think about Samson, he, he, he was a powerful patriarch, man, man of God that God used and he fell and everybody knew he fell. I mean, it was, it was on the Jerusalem post. He fell. But, um, and I'm being funny with that, but the, the, the truth is we have a mandate, not only to speak life over my life, over my business, over our church, over our children, but even to speak life over the people that we've watched make mistakes and be the one that let the that allows honor to come out of our mouth till their strength and hair grows back. Well, isn't that powerful? That's very powerful. And I thought that's that's how I want to live my life, Carrie. I want to live my life in a way that, um, you know, there are times you have to correct people or you have to set things in order, but there's a right way and a wrong way to do that. And the Holy Spirit will absolutely guide us in the right way if we'll ask for help. 
Oh, there's no doubt. Um, you know, there's a book that I just did. I, I taught with one of my pastors at our church, a connect group, and it was God's image of you. Yeah. And when, when people really start to understand who they are in Christ, yeah, I, I would just sit back and say, how can you say anything bad about yourself for yeah. one, when you know who you are? And secondly, like I said, when you understand the power of your words, everything starts to change because I believe every situation can even, it can change. And I did an incredible experiment with my daughter a few years back. And actually I have it right here. I don't know if you'll be able to see it, but let me show it to you in case you can. We did this experiment and we spoke to, we made three containers of rice and we spoke to these three containers of rice every single day. So this one right here, we said, I love you to it. Every day we opened the lid, we told it, I love you. And we put the lid back on it. This one we opened up and the words were, you're a fool, you're stupid. Wow. And this we opened up and we just looked at it and we said nothing. And so after a few weeks, we began to watch the change start to take place. I love you is still thriving. Can you see it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whenever you look at the you're a full black mold is absolutely taking it over. And this one's starting to get like an orange tinge. It's being ignored. Wow. So it's not molded in black, but I almost felt like it was angry, crying out for help. And then at the end, like if you can see the power of the same container of rice cooked, cooled to the exact same level and sealed. And every day, once a day, open and either spoken to. I love you starting to get a little bit of color there. It, this is absolutely angry. You're full, you're stupid. And then this one still is turning brighter orange, the one that's being ignored. Wow. And I told my daughter at that point, I go, do you understand that in every situation in life, I don't care if you're at the grocery store, speaking to someone, saying hello with a smile might be the only smile they get in a day. And we know it's better to say hello with a smile than to just open the jar and smile. Sure, sure. We weren't ugly to the one. We just didn't speak to it. Well, Jesus created, I mean, God created the world with his, with his voice. He yeah. spoke. Uh, and, and we can destroy the world with what we speak. We ha- it's, a, it's a powerful tool, this tongue. And I, that's really why I believe, and I know the Bible bears it out, that the Lord wants to control our tongue. The Holy Spirit is making a bid for us to submit our tongue to the Holy right. Spirit so that we can see the life and power of God manifested in our life. Um, labels, good or bad, they are real. Let's talk about labels. They are real. So I, uh, in, in my story, I tell a lot about my labels. You know, I was the little girl that would rather sleep than go play and stay inside. And, and so um, I had the nickname Granny my whole life. And nobody, everybody that loved me called me that. It was not a derogatory thing. But I, 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 you know, talk about in my story there how it carried a lot of weight. As I grew up, the old soul growing up fast, then I was very sick in my teenage years. And so through that whole process, you know, I felt like, wow, that was a label that stuck with me. And so, you know, I tell people labels carry weight because once you put them on somebody, you can't take them back. Right. And I, for some, it's labels they've placed on themselves. Right. We all know that. But then there's times that people place labels, whether they know they did or not, you held on to it. 
And it's what's been really fun is I just did a great um, leadership program at my daughter's high school with the varsity volleyball team. We just wrapped it up and, and I literally took in sticky notes and I said, here, and I said, I want you to write things that have been spoken over you. I want you to write down the things that you carry. And I mean, you're talking amazing young ladies, athletes, you know, great students, just you got these girls and they're writing down, you're ugly, you're fat, you're this, you're that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> right? Because who would say that to any one of them? And I'm just sitting there, you're stupid. And I'm thinking, so whether they believe that about themselves or somebody has spoken it to them, they're carrying that label. Right. So I'm just like, write them all down, write as many down as you need to. And we're going to do the great trash. We're getting rid of them today. Right. Because that's a big thing. And I encourage people to do that all the time. Women and men, young and old, you know, whatever it is, you're never going to amount to anything. You're this, you're that, you know, you, you're constantly losing jobs. I hear a lot of people when they start to address the labels that are on their life, find absolute freedom and liberty when they replace them with some new labels. Sure. And I just take them to the word of God and say, let me just tell you what God says about you. Because you were made in his image. So he, he didn't say you made a loser. No. He say, now the world has ta- labeled you with some things, sickness, disease, different things, but you get to choose to carry the label or not. Right. And so, um, it's a game changer when people start to just to go, you know what? I'm, I'm not that. And I talk a lot in that chapter too, about the, you're just like your father. You're just like your mother. Right. Because in, in one scenario, there's the father who's the alcoholic and you're constantly saying, gosh, you're just like your dad to your son. And that's usually not a really, oh, you're just like your dad, right? That's wow. usually a, just like your dad. Yeah. The T. Well, then dad's an abusive alcoholic. What are you, you're labeling this child or, you know, the child, here's all the things you say. There's a divorce that's taken place. You run into an old friend. That friend says, oh my gosh, you look just like your dad. Well, all of a sudden, every label you've ever spoke on that one just got deposited in that. Just attached to your child, right? Exactly. So I'm, and I know here, get me when I say this, divorce is not easy, right? It's not easy, especially when there's kids involved, but you still have some choices, how you're going to handle it. And so uh, that's one thing that I, I, I'm not one to shy away when somebody says that's it, the end, I'm getting a divorce and I'm going to do my best to talk to them, you know, help them through that process. But at the end, if it's going to be the end, then I'm going to be the voice that says, let me tell you something. This doesn't have to be hell for the next 50, 60, 70 years. No. It can be okay, right? And so... And the kids need to love their mother or father, no matter how that worked out. Uh, They need to find a love and come to terms with it. And that's, like you said, that takes maturity. That takes parents that are submitted to God more than their own flesh, not, not trying to get anybody back, not trying to hurt anybody, not trying to make anybody pay because what, who ends up paying for all of that is the kids in the yep. long run. And then number nine, and, and maybe we'll, we'll hang here and then I want to pray for some names is because I think this is important. Uh, mentors don't wait for a mentor, seek one out. Yes. 
So whenever I talk about mentors, you know, bottom line is there's, there's a lot of difference in coaches and accountability partners and absolute mentors. And I feel like people really, in today's age, we've got a lot of coaches in the world, right? right you can right. get a life coach, a business coach, a this coach, a that coach. <laughs> and so I tell people like, truly look for and seek out mentors and then in turn become that too as well. Like you receive and you pour out. Um, but there's a big difference. You're not looking for the cheerleader. You're not looking for somebody who's like, yay, you got this. And you know, in fact, Andy Andrews is an amazing author and speaker. And he always says, Hey, you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to tell you that I love you and I accept you the way you are. I'm with the kid at the Chick-fil-A window accepts you for who you are. Right. Like they don't, I'm here to help you grow and to step to that next level. And so um, I've been so grateful and so blessed for amazing mentors in life that, you know, they point out the the blind spots. And so you've got to be open for that and you got to ask for it because true accountability is how you grow and how you become more. And, and then in turn, you can give more back to people. Sure. Well, if we're not willing to allow someone to speak into the blind spot, we will never grow. We'll, we may be exceptional in one area. I've seen this in ministry in my, my whole life. I mean, I got saved at 16 and been involved with a lot of amazing men and women. And I would see someone that had an amazing gift or amazing insight in one area, but then in another area be completely blind. But because they wouldn't let anybody speak into their life, they couldn't get freedom or revelation in that. So that takes a, that takes a, uh, it takes a spirit of humility. And that's just yeah. something I'm working on even in myself. It takes a spirit of humility to say, you know what? Um, I might be the teacher, but I need to be taught. Yeah. I might be the mentor, but I need to be mentored. And yes. uh, that's where God, I think we're, I think as long as we are living and breathing, we're, and and we are we're going to be growing. If we're not growing, we're going backwards. There is no staying the same. So right. uh, this is something I think that the Holy Spirit is bidding all of us. Holy Spirit's the great teacher, so He's leading and guiding us into all truth. And many times His leading will come in the form of somebody in a physical form that's going to mentor you in an area. And uh, let's talk about the last chapter, and then we're going to pray for some folks. Um, Hold on, let me pull it up here. No, 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 it's not the last chapter. It's, it's, uh, it's number 10. Ordinary to exceptional, just beyond your comfort zone. Yes. Well, you know, when I think about ordinary, there's everybody in, in the world is absolutely ordinary. But whenever you start to step beyond that comfort zone, like we talked about earlier, when you start walking in faith and not fear, you're going to find there's exceptional things out there. And, and that's in every area of life. That can be your marriage. That can be your parenting, your friendships, your relationships. And so um, it just goes back to whatever it is. And I think it's in that chapter that I really talk a lot about my husband stretching me to just to continue to grow and get out of my comfort zone because right. I think he's just genius. And so I would always ask him, hey, what's this? And he would say, look it up. <laughs> and I was like, look it up. I'm like, I've got a license to your brain, right? Like I, I give me the answer, but it was that constant pursuing and, and pushing to grow more and to become more and to be able to excel in different areas. It takes that exceptional because it's easy to just stay average. Mm-hmm. Sure. And society once again is okay with average. It's okay with everybody being ordinary. And so I just always, I want people to stretch themselves to live that exceptional life. 
Yes, and God's called us to. If you look at the Bible and you read about all the patriarchs, they all did exceptional things. They all did things that were amazing, that were out of their comfort zone, that took faith to do. Um, And they also had blind sides, so they had room for growth. And that speaks to us today. Um, There are things that you're called to do that I don't have the ability to do, and it's not in my DNA to do. There are things that I'm called to do that you don't have the ability to do, and it's not in your DNA to do. Or maybe you have the ability, but it's not your call. So at the end of the day, we're going to answer to God. I believe there's a book written for us before we're born. And it's, it's our best life. And we're either going to, we're going to get to heaven and be really happy. We lived it out with faith and power and anointing. Or we're going to be really sad that there was a lot of things that were supposed to be ours that are still up there waiting because we just did not allow. I, I can't help but think about the talents. You know, one, he gave one, in F, um, I think one, five, and 10. Is that how it went? Or one, three, and five? No, one, five, and 10. And I'm thinking, okay, it doesn't matter what amount of talent I have, whether, I have the, whether I'm a one-talent girl or a 10-talent girl. It doesn't matter. I am responsible for what God has given me. Right. And I can't grow until I steward what I have really well. And that, that's a mandate we all are called to, and we, and no matter where you are on this journey called life, uh, we're called to steward what God has given us to the best of our ability. Yeah. Well, and you know, even when I think about the book, so I knew for about eight to 10 years, I get asked that a lot, like how long did it take you to write the book? And I go, well, I knew for about eight to 10 years because a mentor began to speak it into my life. But through that process, God would show up in amazing places. And I would be having a conversation with someone. And one time I was in North Carolina having a conversation with a man who was in his seventies, who had just retired. And all of a sudden he stopped me and he said, "Um, I can't wait to read your book. I go, excuse me. He said, I cannot wait to read your book. And more importantly, I can't wait for all the people who will never have the chance to sit down face to face with you and have a conversation to get to, to get it as well. And I went, what are you talking about? And he goes, Oh, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) And so I'm like, so it wasn't like just the ordinary people that I trusted telling me to write a book. It was God was using people throughout the path ever so often they would come in and they would speak life into it. So I knew the book was in me. I knew there was a calling on my life to write it, but there was still that internal struggle, right. Of actually writing it. And then my mentor said, Hey, you know, you speak. And when you speak, you know, you impact people. And I said, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And he goes, speak your book into existence. What do you mean? He said, begin to speak it, get a voice recorder, speak it into existence. And then you can go back and put it on paper. And I was like, oh, that's great. So I tried that. And I actually co-authored a book with our church for women's devotional. And it it worked. I put it all in a voice recorder. And then I went back and put it on paper. So that kind of had that roadblock. And then We were blessed to go to Australia and our last day in Sydney, we spent the day with Nick and Christine Kane and we went to lunch and walked the Harbor and she began to speak out of the blue about the book. And I was like, wait a second, wait a second. Like, what about this book? So we went to Hillsong that night. Incredible. And then the next day I sat on a plane and wrote for 18 hours, pen and paper. And I came home, Callie, and I put it right there on the bookshelf right where it belonged. Right. And then January, 2017, 
another person stepped into our life and said, you have a book that you're supposed to write. And I was like, really? Because it was really written most of it. And so that took that whole year of God starting to take me faith steps by faith steps of saying, this is the date that it's going to launch to the world. And I was like, so then whenever I actually sent it to the publisher, he said, no, that's not going to happen. Like that doesn't, it won't work in our world to get that out by that date. And I said, well, God said it would. And the book is titled Your Words Create Your World. And so literally just every time there was pushback, there was faith. Pushback, there was faith to everything came to fruition on the exact same dates that God had put in my spirit. I'd wrote in my journal, step by step by step. Lord, I just... I just ask you right now, whoever is listening today, that you've given them an instruction, whether it's write a book or go witness to a neighbor or start a ministry or start a prayer, uh, a prayer group or whatever. Maybe it's an idea that they're supposed to patent. Um, whatever you've spoken to your people, that you will give them the uh, heart and the uh, of obedience, that we would not... Uh, push things off, but that we would step immediately into what God has called us to do. And we would do it with by faith. Yes. Amen. That is, that is so, that is so awesome. And so you, so you finally did it. When did the book actually come out? Was last, last December 31st. Yes. It's my birthday. And God said, Hey, you're going to, you're going to give the world a gift. <laughs> and so, That's so awesome. That is so awesome. Yep. So it, it's been out a year. Almost a full year. Okay, yes. now where can we find this book? It is on my website, which is carryroberson.com. Okay, make sure you put that up. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So they can get it on your website. What about Amazon or any of those places yet? Not yet. All right, but it will. It will. But Amazon did you, right? <laughs> yeah, it will. It will. In Jesus' name. Um, Lord, I just thank you for Carrie. I thank you for her heart. I thank you for this book, and I just declare in Jesus' name, God, that you open doors for this book to go all over the world, to be a blessing to those that read it, and to change their life and their heart and their trajectory. God, that people would read this book, and they will go suddenly, that their life will align, and they'll go down the path that you have orchestrated and ordained for them to go in Jesus' name. I thank you so much. Uh, Carrie, would you mind praying with me over some of these names? Uh, the first one that called that actually now I didn't get to all of them, but I did. I just went through and as the Holy Spirit highlighted, I just followed the Holy Spirit. Listen, you never want anybody to prophesy if they don't hear anything. <laughs> so Amen. let me let me just say that you don't you just you don't want to prophesy. You want to you want a prophecy <laughs> that is straight from the Lord. So I learned early on when God began to use me this way that even if he gave me just one or two words, that he can take my one or two words that are accurate and do more than he can do with a whole lot of words that are just a guess. So know that everyone that's on there, if you sign your name on there, I'm praying for you. I am laying hands on your name and praying for you. But I'm only going to speak for the words that, that God gives me. Uh, Kimberly Ennis. Uh, I heard the word peace, uh, and I, I was uh, taken to Mark four thirty nine through forty, and I just want to encourage you that God is um, He is bringing peace 
through your whole life. Anything that's stormy or out of order, he is going to bring peace to. He's doing it now. God is expanding you. Uh, he is expanding your family. He is expanding your faith. He is expanding your peace. And he is expanding your portion. That is the word of the Lord for you. And listen, at any time, if you hear anything, uh, Carrie, just wave at me. Okay. Sure. Okay. Uh, Janet LeBlanc, First uh, John 4 and 18, um, God is driving out all fear, all fear. He is replacing fear, your fear, that you have literally taken it as your fear. First of all, fear comes from the enemy. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He is replacing all fear with the power of his spirit, and faith is going to be your portion. So God is God is giving you the spirit of faith, and you will see great change this year in your family. Uh, Kelly Paces, and you spell that P-E-S-I-S, so I hope I said it right. Step out of the boat. Step out of the boat. Alexis Bearden, uh, B-E-A-R-D-E-N, God is calling you to love. He is, he is um, drawing you to 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Everything that is godly is built on the foundation of love. We, we may have talents, we may have gifts, we may have discernment, we may be even able to prophesy, we may be able to lay hands on the sick, but if we do not have a foundation of love, and I said, all of us, we do not have a foundation of love. It's not built on the right foundation. So God is shoring up your foundation of love. And you're going to find that in this process, great freedom is coming to you. Uh, Brenda Snyder, uh, Matthew six thirty three. seek God, the answers will come. Seek God. So many times we seek answers. But we need to seek God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Um, when, you, when you read the Lord's Prayer, it's a model of how we should pray. The Bible says we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Don't just get in the presence of God. And this, I'm not just speaking to you. I'm speaking to everybody listening. And just start rattling off what you want God to do for you. You know, don't you hate it when someone calls you and you know when you see their name, the only time they call is when they want something. I mean, it's, it's, it makes you feel bad. It's like, do you ever call me and just want to talk to me or just want to be my friend? And, and, and you're thinking, okay, maybe this time and you pick up the phone and it's a request. <laughs> and sometimes we do God that way. So I seek ye first the kingdom of God, seek the Lord, worship the Lord, be intimate with the Lord. And all the things that you are seeking are needing answers for will come. Um, Stacy Goff. Doors of opportunity, one after another. Doors of opportunity, one after another. As you enter into the new year, it will feel like you are going through a series of doors. But every door, you will, it will come so quickly. These are doors of opportunity, one after another. Do not be fearful. Walk through them. It will bring you great blessing. Shonda Norcross. The bondage is over and freedom is your portion. This is the year where you will break free of generational problems and bondages that have literally laced your family 
for decades and maybe even centuries. But this is the year for you to be free and for your family to step into freedom. Everything that has to do with freedom and the power to break uh, bondage, you must read and begin to declare over your family. It's one thing to say something one time. It's another thing to make it your declaration, a life declaration. You will be known and your family will be known as a family of freedom and power and anointing. Bethine Lamin, L-E-H-M-A-N. Um, healing is your portion. It's the children's bread. God is healing on your behalf. B.K. Jones. Provision for your vision. You will not lack in 2019 for provision. God has, is sending provision to you, just like he did the widow woman, and, he, and she began to give, and God began to pour it out. Your, um, your cruise of oil will never, never run dry. God is supernaturally bringing provision to you. Amber Hashimoto, pray in the spirit. If we try to do things too much with logic, listen, uh, logic's great. And there's a place for logic. You know, when I get up in the morning, I can't pray in the spirit and, and cook eggs for my kids. You know, I can pray in the spirit all morning and, just, and command those eggs to get cooked, but I'm going to have to walk over there and cook them eggs, you know? So there's a place for logic. Um, Holy Spirit's not going to clean your house. You're going to have to get up and clean your house. You're going to put gas in your car. There's things that, you know, you're going to have to balance your uh, checkbook. But when we try to do things that are spiritual with the law of the natural, it won't work. Praying in the spirit will change your life. Get up every morning, start your day with Bible reading and worship, and then pray in the spirit. Supernatural things begin to happen in your world when you pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray. I literally walk out around my house. My kids will call me with problems or, or people from the church will call. And I just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost because I don't always have the answer. I may think I have the answer, but there may be a, a, a spiritual um, um, assignment, for a, a stronghold of the enemy that has to be dealt with. When Daniel prayed 21 days before the answer came, because he had to go back and get angels to get down to get that man the answer. So pray in the spirit. That is the word of the Lord to you. Bonnie Lake. God will set your house in order. Just ask him to set your house in order and do not meddle with it when he starts setting it in order. Many times I've prayed prayers and the answers were uncomfortable <laughs> because I prayed prayers from uh, one of my children and before it got better, it got worse. And right in the middle of it, the Lord said, and I said, oh, my God, and I'm begging for all of it to stop. And the Lord said, you prayed for him to be delivered. You prayed for him to be a mighty man of God. I had to expose some things and free him from some things so that the will and purpose and plan. So notice when he starts setting things in order, there may be some things that are uncomfortable. Dorcas, and I want to say Bawell or Baywell, it's B-A-W-E-L-L, -L, forgive, God will release what is yours forgive release the debtor and god will release what is yours cheryl silva worship and declaration will send you into your destiny worship and declaration and then there's one more katherine acres hall
Um, I hear the Lord saying there's a, this is a new season for you. You uh, bring a lot of joy and peace and just hope to everyone that, that is around you. And God is going to open up doors for you to speak and preach and declare his word. Do not be fearful. Step into it. Do what God has asked you to do. And you will be astounded at the fruit that you reap. Um, you feel anything to say, my sweet Carrie? Well, I, I just want to say, step out, whatever it is. And like you said, just listen to the Holy Spirit. Because I talk about in that chapter of mentoring is he's the greatest mentor you'll ever have in your life. Yes, he we is. All day, every day. But we, we listen to the world that's so loud around us and he whispers. So learn to hear that whisper. Learn to hear that gentle voice. Because Kelly, I'll share one thing. My daughter and I went to Charleston last week. Now, I, I want to say this to where it doesn't sound like I'm not the right good person. <laughs> so everybody has a calling, right? So I know there's a lot of people who do a lot of things with homeless ministry. And I'm always the one that says, hey, here's blankets, here's the coats, here's the, right? Like, here's the stuff. Sure. And you go give it to them. But when we got to Charleston, the lady pointed out, like, they're going to ask you for money. Every time you go out of the door, just know that, but they're harmless and all. And I was like, okay, great. Well, a gentleman on Wednesday night asked us for money. And I said, I don't have any. And I didn't. And so on Thursday, we had gone to a plantation. And on Friday morning, we're getting ready. And I walked in and my daughter's sitting there. She's 18. And I said, Hannah, God just absolutely gave us an assignment. I mean, I, we've got to go find, and I recalled two different homeless people. I said, we've got to go find them today. She goes, okay, are we giving them money? And she's that kid that would give them every money, every bit she had. She pulled up to her stop sign and give you everything she's got. Right. So she goes, yes, you know what, Hannah though, that's not what God said. Money's great. We're going to give money. In fact, we're going to give $10 bills today to a lot of people, right? We're going to get money. And I said, but here's what I know. God gave us some specific things to do. And so she goes, all right, let's go. So we walked, we got, we went and had dinner that night. We had our full meal and we had a a complete meal to go. Not touched, not nothing we ate off of a full meal. So literally we walked, gave money to several different people. And then I got to one and I looked at him and I said, are you hungry? And he goes, yes, but, and he pulled down his jaw and he said, I have, I have no teeth. So it's hard for me to eat food. And I said, God knows. And I handed him the soft noodles. I said, this is soft. These are noodles. And he goes, he just looked at me and the tears started to roll. And Hannah goes, how did you know he was the one to give the food to mom? And I said, God said, feed him. I gave him money. I gave him food. Then we go and we get to the one that had stopped us on Wednesday night. And I said, do you remember us? And he goes, yes, actually I do. And I said, good. I said, well, you asked us for money on Wednesday night and I didn't have any. And he goes, you know, this is only temporary. And he was about my age, very, very clean, had his nice little tidy, um, rolled up sleeping bag and a sign that said combat veteran falling on hard times. Wow. And I said, I know this is temporary. And let me tell you why. This morning, as I was getting ready, God put you on my heart. He showed me you again. And I said, and yes, I brought you money, but I need to remind you who you are because you have gifts and talents. And God sent me to tell you, you have gifts and talents. This is very temporary. It's time for the next step. And as tears began to fall, he just said, he was like, you have no idea the weight of your words right now. And I said, oh, I do. 
because they're not my words. And, and literally that was it. It begins to rain. We walk away. And in that moment, you know, what I told Hannah is I know, I know God sent us specifically to him. I don't know what the answer is for him in his future, but how is it? We landed in Houston at 1030 Saturday night. And on Sunday morning, my pastor began to preach. And he said, and let me tell you about a man who was homeless and his mom and sister were on a mission to find him to remind him of who he was because he needed to be reminded. And today he's a pastor. And I looked at Hannah. We were talking about the guy on our way to church. And I looked at Hannah and I said, who knows what his future holds, but God. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But yep. God just gave me full confirmation of you completed the assignment. And that's big because here's the reason Callie is too many times we miss it. We go, Oh, Surely you wouldn't want me to go back and look through the streets for homeless people, specific ones, not just any of them. Right, right. Those people, right? Like, and, and knowing that I was on lots of streets and there were lots of different places they could be, but he took me back to each one of them. Yeah. And it's, so it's when we listen, we can do amazing things. We, but that was out of my comfort zone. I'm not going to lie to you. It was 7.30, it was pitch black at night, and I'm wondering the streets looking for people. Yeah, I get it, I get it. And and different people, I mean, my sister and I, we, you know, of course we grew up our early formative years. Our parents sobered up when we were uh, six and seven, but uh, our early formative years were horrible. So my response to poverty was, I don't want anything to do with it. And Cindy's response was, I want to help everybody that I see. And of course, God had to heal my heart um, because you never know that one word. Most of the time, these homeless folks don't have family. You know, if one of our family members hits hard times, they've got us. Yeah. But a lot, they, they, my, my daughter does a whole, my oldest daughter does a whole lot uh, with, you know, homeless and kids that are on the streets. And she said, mother, you know, 90% of the homeless on the street, they don't have family. So when they're, are they come from uh, the foster system? Right. Or a lot of times if they do have family, just like my pastor spoke of is that there's the humiliation or the, I've let them down. They're carrying a shame. That's probably not there. They are the product son. Somebody's waiting on them to return that to tell them they love them. But yet there's that, that guilt and shame that's set on. And so I I just feel like that's the biggest thing. Like you said earlier, no matter what it is for those who are listening, just know that you can step out. And if you're being prompted, whatever it is, any dream, any idea, any business venture to do a ministry, to write a book, it doesn't really matter. It's just listen and let him guide you and know that the obedience of the Holy spirit. Yes. Yeah. To the Holy spirit. Uh, I heard someone preach Sunday. I think it was Pastor Cindy that said, delayed obedience is disobedience. Yeah. And I've done a whole lot of that in my life where God literally had to just shout things out at me. I don't want to be one of those that he he has to just completely fence me in to get me to do something. I want it to be quick obedience. Lord, I just thank you for this amazing uh, book today. I thank you, Lord, for Carrie. I thank you for the word that's in her heart and spirit. 
And I thank you, Lord, for every lady that's listening or every man that happens to be listening on our broadcast today. And Father, that each one of us would step into what you've called us to do, that we would read the signs of the Spirit and hear the leading of the Holy Ghost and what you have called and asked us to do, and we would fulfill it in Jesus' name. I pray blessing over everyone that's here today. Lord, I just declare in Jesus' name, if you weren't here at the beginning of the broadcast, the Lord is sending you signs. There are signs everywhere. And the closer you get to what he's called you to do, the more signs you will see. If I decide I'm going to go to Dallas, there may be a, a sign every every 40 miles. But the closer I get into Dallas, then I start seeing the signs, one right after the other. And I really believe there are many of you that God has called you to do things and he's given you signs. You just need to open up your heart and your spirit to see what the Lord is saying and know that he may not just be talking through somebody that you think is super spiritual. He may be talking through a homeless person. He could be talking through somebody that you, that you, you know, really has no credibility in your eyes. God can use a donkey to talk to you, but we have to be open to the spirit of God. Thank you, Carrie, so much for being with us today. Now I'm going to have one, put the book back up on the broadcast. Your words create your world. You can go to carryroberson.com to get the book. You'll be blessed. It's, it's it will definitely inspire you to uh, submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit and to submit to growth, which is, which is always makes us feel better. Thank you, Carrie, so much. Be blessed Thank today. You. All right. Thank you. For the past hour, you've been listening to the Warriors Watch with Pastor Callie Hargraves as your host. For more information concerning this program, go to bpnradio.com.